Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. Today, we are looking at Mid-South Wrestling Television from October 30th, 1982, which was taped on October 27th, 1982, at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana, while the Louisiana State Fair is happening just outside the doors of the arena. I am the great Brian Last, and joining me, as he does each and every week, and he is pumped up this week, is your friend and mine from Booking the Territory, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? Okay, you're going to have to contain me this week, Brian. You're going to have to pull in the reins <laughs> at some point. You're going to have to stop me because I will be a runaway locomotive and a runaway train going through this episode because the facts are we've been building to this for a while now since DiBiase turned on the dog a few months back. I mean, this is the uh, this is this train has been just building up speed, building up speed, building up speed. And now we're here and the moment of truth is on us. And we got a lot to talk about. So I'm going to stop so we can get into it because I feel like we'll talk a lot during this show. There are a lot of things happening on this episode beyond the big tag team match that has been built up for weeks. And of course, it is Ted DiBiase and Hacksaw Duggan versus the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions, Mr. Olympia and the Junkyard Dog. No disqualification. The loser of the fall leaves town. But another interesting thing about this specific taping and this period of time, and we've talked a little bit about it before, Mike, is you're really seeing that relationship between Paul Bosch, Peter Burkholz, the Houston Wrestling Office, and Bill Watts at Mid-South Sports come together. You're really seeing the partnership come together. Bill Watts bought into Houston, so he's now a partner in Houston. And on this episode, we actually get Paul Bosch on the program. And I guess, why don't we start right there? You said, let's kick it right off. Let's go to the opening of the show. Usually it's Boyd with his co-host. This time it's Boyd alone. But he's going to shoot it to the Cowboy and Paul Bosch, and we'll hear what's happening from there. We are bringing you right the matches from the fairgrounds located at Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. And also the Louisiana State Fair is on. So excitement's in the air. Paul Bosch, the erstwhile promoter from Houston, Texas, as well as being a top civic leader, humanitarian. He loves wrestling, and he loves youth. And we'll be talking to him later. The Mid-South Tag Team title is on the line with no disqualification. The loser of the fall must leave the Mid-South area. Also, Mr. USA, Tony Atlas is here. Mr. Racing 2, gorgeous Gino Hernandez, top Japanese stars of Hiro Matsuda and Yoshi Yatsu. But we have another great, great group of kids. Let's go to them now. Here's Bill Watson, Paul Bosch. Well, Paul Bosch is standing with me, the promoter from Houston, Texas, a venerable promoter, a well-respected at making his first live appearance here at Mid-South. And anticipation, excitement's in the air. The Louisiana State Fair going on in the fairgrounds here outside the Irish McNeil Boys Club. We have some special guests. Now, where are you from? Lineville, Texas. Laneville, Texas. A whole group of boys from the Summit Oaks Club. We're sure glad to have them. We've even got a, a gorilla from the fair that's invited all the kids, I guess, to share the... The gorilla show out there right after. So lots of things are happening. And of course, the big thing, Paul, and the reason you're here is the no disqualification match for the Mid-South Tag Team titles where the person that loses a fall has to leave Mid-South. Well, I'm particularly interested in that because it's going to affect my promotion in Houston. And I firmly hope that this is going to be a good test between them. And of course, I'm backing Junkyard Dog all the way. 
Well, you were very instrumental in the dog receiving the crown. He was crowned king of wrestling in Houston, Texas. Well, let's say that the fans were responsible for him being crowned the king of wrestling because he made a great hit with them and uh, a sensational hit, uh, something I haven't seen for years, and they picked him as their king. Well, he's made that hit everywhere he's gone, and of course, right here tonight, this is the showdown between DBIC's group and the dogs group for supremacy of Mid-South. We do have one problem that always seems to crop up whenever we have these confrontations, that DBIC had contacted Grizzly Smith, the matchmaker, early today and said that Hacksaw Dugan was detained. Now, knowing Hacksaw Dugan and his violent nature, and it's been no secret that he's made a couple of bars into parking lots prematurely, he could be incarcerated. But the match will go on. DBIC has flown Matt Bourne from Atlanta, and to be his partner, the same thing still stands, which makes you wonder, has DiBiase lost his confidence, figuring that Matt Bourne, if it gets in trouble, he'll sacrifice him, and he leaves and is not here anyway. Or the fact that Matt, who you knew his father, Tony, has that atomic drop off the top rope, which is illegal in Mid-South, mm -hmm. but this is a no-disqualification match. He could use that to injure the junkyard dog or Mr. Olympia. I think that uh, Ted is that kind of a thinker. He gets that from his old man, and I also wrestled his old man. <laughs> well, right now we're going to go to a big match, a great six-man that Paul Boss just recently had in Houston, Texas. Mel Mascaris, the international Mexican star, the junkyard dog, and Andre the Giant. Let's join that now. Okay, Mike, a few notes. A big opening there. Boyd Pierce shoots to Bill Watson, Paul Bosch, and they build up this tag team match, and there's a couple different things they talk about, and we'll mention them in a second. This kids group from Laneville, Texas, the Summit Oaks Club, several of them are drinking cans of Coke. You see a couple of them eating sandwiches in the front row. How far is Laneville from Shreveport, if you're aware? And is it in the Houston wrestling area? Are these fans of Houston wrestling already? That's a good question. I do not know how far that is from Shreveport. I can look it up while we're doing this, but I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I, I feel like it would be a nice little bus ride, a few hours, two, three, but it, there's no telling. It could be even further than that. Was there a gorilla show, typically, at the Louisiana State Fair? Did you ever go to the Louisiana State Fair? Nah, that was way too far from where I was, <laughs> way up in Shreveport. That, that may have been, you know, trying to fly to Egypt uh, when I was a kid to get up to Shreveport. So, no, I, I have no clue if that was a thing. But I will tell you this. I, just from my memory in the early 80s, that there always, whenever there was a fair or something anywhere that I was at, I remember somebody always in a gorilla suit and acting crazy and that seemed like a thing back in the day, the whole gorilla suit thing. I, I don't know what what spurred it on or what, but I always remember there being a gorilla suit guy somewhere at fairs and whatnot, just walking around, doing stupid things, you know, making the kids laugh, all that good stuff. So it's completely, you know, it's not out of the realm of the possibility that there was some type of truly a gorilla show at the state fair. And I know uh, we got a bunch of listeners out there. I know one like Chris Apeta, he's from he's from Shreveport. He can probably tell me if that was a thing for the state fair because uh, he's from there and, and probably went numerous times. But I feel like that's something that probably was true. And that's what makes this even better. Laneville is 90 minutes outside of Shreveport and about three hours outside of Houston. So I'm guessing this actually is a Mid-South wrestling audience that Bill Watts brought in here. There you go. So there's there that then that would make a lot of sense. And 
I, I tell you, the other thing that struck me, you you always mention this about the audience in Mid South, and first off. The Irish McNeil, it's it's really packed. I mean, you'll see it later as they as we pan the audience and whatnot. But just all all the way around, man, there's standing room only in there basically today. But uh, the kids, it's a beautiful thing, man. It's 1982. We got African American kids. We got white kids. You know, it's just a a mixture of just people, and it's a it's just a beautiful thing to me, man, to to see this like wrestling bringing people together. And you know, it's funny because you're a kid, you know, you don't even think about things like that, but. You know, here we got a bunch of kids who just they're, they're having a great time and they're loving mid south wrestling. And if you watch some of these kids too during the during the show, uh, whenever they pan to their side, man, they're into it, man. They're 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 jumping and, and getting it going. They're not like your favorite friend with the Pittsburgh Steelers shirt on. They're not. Let me say this: they're not trying to steal the show. They're just enjoying the show. They are super into it. But in fact, the entire crowd is super into it. This is going to be a really interesting show. Before we go any further, let me ask you because Bill Watts says here at the top of the show, Ted DiBiase informed Grizzly Smith, the matchmaker. That Hacksaw Duggan has been detained. We don't know any further detail. He isn't there. Matt Bourne has been flown in from Atlanta to be his partner. When you were a kid and you watched this, what did you think of those opening comments from Bill Watts that there was going to be no Hacksaw Duggan and Matt Bourne, who I have to imagine you had never heard of before, was being brought in to replace him? That's exactly it. I actually had that note because I remember watching this back then. I didn't know who Matt Bourne was. So for me... You know, you're young. You you just kind of take what the promoter says and you accept it and you roll with it. And and in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if DiBiase brought him in to replace Duggan because Duggan got arrested for Lord knows what. Well, I mean, I guess this guy's a star and and I guess we should just go with it and and be glad it's taking place. Never in my mind was I thinking. Wait, Duggan's going to show up or is Duggan going to show up? I really thought. Okay, Duggan got arrested. That seems plausible because he's kind of weird and crazy and and he seems like a brawling type guy and he got in a fight at a bar and he's sitting in jail somewhere, somewhere in Louisiana, who knows where. And, you know, he didn't have social media and all that stuff back then to expose things. So I just went with it and I figured in my mind also, I thought not only did I go with it, but I thought to myself, well, if this is a real sport, this Matt Bourne guy, even though he probably is legitimate because DiBiase is using them. This is kind of good for, for dog and Olympia. At the end of the day, that's what I'm thinking too. Well, coming out of that segment, we go to a match from Houston, Texas. Mil Moscaris, the Junkyard Dog, and Andre the Giant versus Killer Khan, Tully Blanchard, and Gino Hernandez. Bill Watts does a voiceover of this match. Says that Mil Moscaris will be in Mid-South soon, and in fact will be on the next Superdome show. And also, I thought this was interesting, and really good attention to detail that Mid-South President Charlie Lay needs to help make the Mid-South wrestling rules uniform because Houston, as we saw in this match, had different rules when it came to coming off the top rope, whether it came to various things during the matches that Mid-South didn't have. And now that Houston and Mid-South are one and the same, they have to make the rules uniform. A good little attention to detail there. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was uh, something good to stress because you got two different promotions. So, uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna be exchanging talent and using talent, and your promoter owns a piece of that office as well, you might want to make the rules consistent. That way, if there is any bleed over in audiences as well, which obviously we've talked about this in previous episodes, you are gonna have bleed over in audiences. If you're talking about Houston wrestling being on TV and in Mid South, there are towns that are getting both shows. You, you got to have some consistently consistency just based on that the finish of the match was pretty interesting 
Tully tried to throw Mil Moskris over the top rope. Andre caught him from the floor and threw him back in, and he pinned Tully. So interesting finish there. Yeah, I, and I didn't have to. I've been wanting to say this. Um, this episode is so heavy with what's going on with the dog and stuff that I, I remember. I remember seeing this when I was young, and it was this is how this is how crazy this is. This is dog, and this is Andre and Mil, and Mil Mascaras. But at the end of the day, I'm like, can we get to this tag match? Because that's what I'm here for today. You know, uh, while I did appreciate seeing Andre at the end of the day, that's what I'm here for today. Well, we go to another match first. Kamala versus Ted Allen with Rick Ferreira as the referee. We're going to play a little bit of audio here, but we might as well talk about this match real quick. And that match is a victory for Kamala again with a splash. Quietly, this is the fifth week in a row we've seen Kamala destroy someone on TV. Not too many guys in Mid-South get that, where they're being built up every single week. I guess we could say seven weeks in a row if we count the two weeks of the promotional video in Jerry Jarrett's backyard. So they're really trying to make Kamala a big star here because, again, five weeks in a row, we've had him on TV squashing someone. See, I thought about that, too, like much later, not back then. But as we were like watching this back and we're doing the show, you got to think. So we got all this stuff going on with Dog and Olympia and DiBiase and now Matt Bourne and and all this all this stuff that's happening. That's main tier stuff up up in Mid-South. Well, at the end of the day. You're going to have to you, you got to have like, I guess, a secondary storyline eventually, although we've we've had some secondary storylines. I'm not saying we haven't. You got to have you got to have something building in the background. And what I like is that's what they're doing with Kamala. So while we have all this other main stuff going on, like you said, seven weeks in a row, if you count the vignettes, he's being put over and being put over strong. And all that's doing for your audience is making them realize Man, this guy is truly a monster, and he's going to be someone to be reckoned with. And the other thing, too, is you notice Watts um, during commentary. I mean, he he keeps while, – while Kamala's out there, he keeps talking about, like, you know, man, this guy facing the dog and this guy facing this guy. And, oh, Kamala's going to – and all these athletes here in Mid-South are going to have to eventually deal with this. So not only are, is, he, is he winning these squash matches, but – Watts is really building him up, too, on commentary, which is, I think, is a key point to remember. Absolutely. And let's hear a little bit of the Cowboy during this match. He's not going to be talking about Kamala. He's going to be talking about what we just heard at the top of the show, the new updates about the tag team match coming up in the next segment. Oh, boy, I got to apologize. I went totally blank on Ted Allen's uh, name as I, we were going to Reese Biden in the ring. But I think it's just been that I've been with Grizzly Smith today and seen the consternation in the battle with he finding out that Dugan was was uh, detained. DiBiase wouldn't be specific because Grizzly wanted to call and post bond, whatever, to get the match here. It's been advertised for some two weeks. The importance of it, everybody's waiting for it. But DiBiase has already contacted Matt Bourne, so apparently Dugan doesn't want any publicity over it and wants to handle it on his own. He's, a, he's an unusual man, a loner, but, but now we have Kamala. Well, let's stop it right there. Again, we've said this already in this episode. Attention to detail. Grizzly Smith was willing to put up the bond to get Duggan out of whatever situation he was in. DiBiase said, no, I'm bringing in someone else. So for the fans at home saying, okay, if this guy's detained and this is this big match, why doesn't a promotion step it up? There's the explanation. That's great attention to detail, not only from Watts, but you. But here's the other thing to think about. Duggan is currently a champion. Is he not, Brian? Louisiana State champion, yeah. Keep that in mind. Well, he's also a heel. 
if he's not involved in the match, he basically has taken himself out of the possibility of losing. So it actually fits that narrative too. Now you can say, oh, well, that makes him a, you know, what a coward. Well, he's a heel. <laughs> it sounds like um, if he doesn't want to post bail, he's thinking to himself, well, if I'm not in the match, I can't lose it for the team. And if I do lose, I got to vacate the Louisiana title. So, you know what? Let me stay in jail. Just a little vacation I'll get. <laughs> I, I, there's so many ways to look at it and slice that, you know, pie. And that's what makes part of what makes it great. Coming out of this, we get this big tag team match that has been built up for so many weeks. The Junkyard Dog and Mr. Olympia, the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions versus the North American Champion, Ted DiBiase, and Matt Bourne making his debut. Alfred Neely, the referee, before you and I talk about any of this, and of course the loser of the fall leaves town, no disqualification. Let's hear the opening minutes of the match. Cowboy Bill Watts, you're going to really hear him step it up. Not that he isn't always great, but this is Bill Watts calling a Super Bowl. This is Bill Watts calling the seventh game of the World Series. This is Bill Watts elevating his commentary to fit the gravity of the situation, and you're also going to hear the fans super into this match. Let's hear the opening minutes. And they're letting it all hang out. This is for supremacy. This is more than just titles. This is more than a wrestling match. This is for who walks tall with her head high in Mid-South and says, I'm number one. This is for the balance of power. DBRC with the North American title. If he loses the ball, he would have to leave Mid-South for 90 days. By not being able to defend the North American title, he would be stripped of that title. So a lot riding on DBRC. Hacksaw Dugan, who had just taken the Louisiana title from Iron Mike Sharp, is not here. Maybe he is not as tough as his reputation from the NFL and what we've been seeing. Maybe he was afraid of losing the Louisiana title because he would be stripped of it also had he been the loser. And, of course, there's the man in the middle, the man that's all around right there, JYD, the man they constantly put the pressure on. I don't know how, you know, he must have a year's supply of Maalox or something because his guts have got to burn the way they try to get on him. And the way they try to do it is, is never head on. It's always by subterfuge. Inside cradle, JYD, his technique and skills going right along with his heart and his power. Man, bench press is 560 pounds. Look at the moves. He's, he's, we've watched him grow and become, in Mid-South, the foremost premier athlete in wrestling today. One fall, no disqualification. This is television time remaining. Everything else is standby. And, of course, speaking of it, we got main events right on down. Mr. USA, Tony Allison, his first live appearance. A man that bench presses 600 pounds. The most phenomenal young athlete in wrestling today. Mr. Wrestling 2. Also from Houston, gorgeous Gino Hernandez as Paul Bosch comes here. And the talent from Houston starts moving in and making the onslaught on the Mid-South. A new team from Japan, Hiro Matsuda and Yosei Yatsu. But here we see Matt Bourne, and again, you wonder what's going on in DiBiase's mind. Is Bourne going to be the sacrificial lamb if he gets in trouble? Is somehow he going to come in and be the one that they beat? That DiBiase is going to feed him saying, hey, I'll pay you lots of money. You go back to Atlanta. You're not here anyway. Or the more devious, as Paul Bosch pointed out, is Bourne with his bombs away that he learned from his father. Coming off the top rope, which is illegal in Mid-South, but would be legal in a no-disqualification match. Is he here to injure somebody? You see the crowd, the anticipation. They're standing and watching this match. And the skill that 
intensity. Like I say, even the Barker from the State Fair, the Gorilla, that came in and he's decided to stay, was inviting everybody to enjoy the fair after the conclusion of the taping here at the Irish McNeil. It's all here. All by Boyd Pierce, you're here, we're here, and you people at home are here. Well, there it is, Mike. Hot opening minutes of this match. You hear the crowd really into it. Bill Watts really into this. Brings up all the details. JYD goes through some pins really quickly. We usually don't see him go for a small package. He does it here. The gorilla, the barker for the Louisiana State Fair, who we saw earlier hanging out with the kids from the Summit Oaks Club. He's still around. He's trying to get people to stay so that after the wrestling show, they'll come enjoy the fair. And just action nonstop in the ring. Matt Bourne, his first appearance, looks really good in there in the early part of this match. Any early thoughts here, Mike? Yeah, he, I was going to say that because, remember, hadn't seen Matt. I hadn't seen Matt at this point. So when I see Matt Bourne, I'm like, all right, the first few minutes, you realize, wait, this guy really is a good wrestler. I mean, he he knows what he's doing. He's He looks good. He looks – the thing is, you know, you, you, you think about this all the time whenever you see a new talent – I, I always say, man, he looks like he belongs, and, and I guess that's uh, the point I was trying to make. He looks like he belongs. Real quick point of note with Watts' commentary, just to add one last thing. On commentary, he says 90 days now the loser will be gone. I don't know if you realize this, but I did go back and listen to some of the other audio uh, from from like Boyd and, and I even think Watts from previous weeks. Originally, they had said 60, so now they're, it's up to 90. It's just a little small thing, but I wanted to mention that. They are saying 90 days now instead of 60 for the person who actually takes the pinfall, which means that, obviously, if you're a champion, you're going to have to relinquish that title. So, uh, you know, that's uh, that's not a good thing there. Um, but, yeah, this was uh, good stuff from Watts to, to, I guess, set the table to what's going on. You, and you said it. He mentioned the gorilla again who's hanging around, entertaining the kids. and who, not, not just entertaining the kids, but he wants to see what's going to happen, too, in this match. So really good stuff here. This match may be, I think it is, the longest match we've seen on Mid-South Wrestling Television since you and I started doing this show. We get a commercial break in the middle of the match. They say that the cameras will keep running and will return after this commercial break. The match goes, I think, over 10 minutes. And again, it doesn't seem like an extraordinarily long match, but for Mid-South Wrestling, I think, Mike, this is the longest match we've seen. I think it's the longest match we've seen, so I, I agree there. Um, and, and again, let's put it in a context when you say 10 minutes. that you got to realize, you're talking about a one-hour TV show in, in basically you know, 45 minutes with commercials here, uh, give or take a little bit. So when you say 10 minutes, that's only even another 35 minutes for the episode. And that doesn't even include any promos that are going to follow that are pertaining to this match. So yeah, when you say a match goes 10 plus minutes, 11, 12 minutes, you're talking about a sizable portion. Uh, if you include entrances and promos and whatnot, you, you're almost getting to basically, you know, 25% of the episode is spent on just this one thing. So yeah, that, this is definitely the longest match we've seen in Mid-South to this point. We come out of the commercial break and we get more action. We're going to play the final minutes of the match and then we'll talk about it on the other side. I want to make one note here. Hank, the man in the cowboy hat, sitting at ringside on the opposite end that he usually sits at and there's apparently a mini Hank next to him, a kid in a plaid shirt with a cowboy hat. I don't know if he's friends with Hank or the grandson of Hank, but want to make mention that he is there. The old lady is in the middle. Some of the other old ladies are not here this week or at least not visible in the front row. But let's now go to the final minutes of this big tag team match. Tag team partners. 
DiBiase tagging in. Olympia trying to fight out, but DiBiase trying to keep the fresh man in all the time. They're doubling up again, a double clothesline. JYD tried to get down the tag Olympia, but couldn't. Power slam by DiBiase. There's that, there's that Bob's away. There's that Bob's away right there. Right there, that's what Matt Gordon was brought here for. DiBiase brought him here to try to injure Mr. Olympia. DiBiase has Mr. Olympia hurt. south for 90 days boyd pierce boy i just don't know what to say about it neither bill as we try to get our thoughts together we'll pause for this commercial break and be back right after this message from mid-south well there it is the big ending and you can certainly hear it in watts's voice it's interesting matt Bourne has olympia pinned he does the bombs away with the uh, whoopee cushion later on when he was doing the clown in the wwf does the bombs away on to Mr. Olympia off the top rope, has him pinned, gets up. It's not brought up, but he gets up and tags in DiBiase because obviously the plan isn't to chase Mr. Olympia. The plan is to chase the junkyard dog, and the plan comes to fruition when the gorilla comes to ringside, body slams Olympia, pulls off the mask, reveals himself to be Hacksaw Duggan, and then gets in the ring, and everything happens from there, Mike. I didn't even want to watch the rest of the episode as a kid. (laughs) I was just like... Come on. No, this didn't happen. A freaking gorilla comes in. No, I can't believe what I just saw. And then Watts is screaming, it's Duggan, it's Duggan, it's Duggan. Diviasi hits dog with the gloated glove. And you think about what, what it took to beat him. The gorilla had to interfere. Then Diviasi had to hit him with the loaded glove. We get the we get the dog with another timber fall. I, I was crushed. Uh, um you know, everybody out there who listens to shows that I do knows that I'm a, a pretty big you know, football fan. I mean, diehard Saints fan. I would say this was equivalent to the way my soul was crushed on that no call during the 2019 NFC Championship game where the uh, Rams 
basically committed a foul that was a per, that was a pass interference and it was not called it was a pathetic miss the game was fixed but that's a story for another day uh anyway that was how i felt as a 7 year old watching the dog lose i i just was stunned i'm thinking to myself here what are they going to do brian like what's th- this is the dog you can't you just beat him it is so many ramifications here because the dog loses they lose the tag titles a damn gorilla got involved. That's what it ta- took. The promotion, now as an adult, they set this up perfect. They, they, we got to talk about that. I was crushed, but they set this up so perfectly because it's been building, no DQ. That And in my mind, I'm like, that means the dog can pull out all the stops. The dog does everything he can to fight this off. But at the end of the day, no DQ. They lose. They lose the tag belts. The gorilla gets involved, so nothing can be done because it was no DQ. I, I just there was so much greatness here, Brian. I don't know. I we you and I have never talked about this angle, never talked about what happened here. What were your thoughts when you first saw this? Did you think it was set up perfectly? Did you think to yourself, oh my God, that's fabulous how they just did this all? I thought it was set up perfectly, but I don't think when I first saw it, I watched all the episodes in order. Because when you watch them in order, you realize just how amazingly this was set up in the weeks in advance. And then going into this, and there's so many intangibles. Matt Bourne, unknown to the fans there. Jim Duggan, not there. There's so many intangibles. Everything's explained. Everything makes sense. And of course, coming out of this match, now we're really wondering what's going to happen. What's going to happen to the Junkyard Dog? What's going to happen to Mid-South Wrestling without the Junkyard Dog? And these questions need to be answered. See, and that's, that's my point. Like, I was when I say I was crushed, I'm thinking, what are they going to do? I mean, this is the top person in babyface in the promotion. And you just took him out for 90 days. Like, where are they going to go? What's what's going to happen? Who? I mean, because now if you really think about it in a nutshell, the only person left is really Olympia. And I mean, yeah, Iron Mike Sharp's a babyface and Buck Robley's a babyface. So we got people that are babyfaces that are out there. But Let's be real. Sharp and Robley and Olympia, they're not the dog. No one galvanizes Mid-South fans like the dog does. So it just, you, just, you watched all this play out. The gorilla Duggan being arrested, Matt Bourne coming in. And now these suckers have all the titles, basically, with the exception of Olympia's title. They, they, it's like they're the four horsemen. Not, they're not the four horsemen, but you know what I'm saying. It's like when the four horsemen had almost all the belts and Crocker promotions at one point. It's like, damn, wh- what are we gonna do here? It's just like it's a monopoly. We're screwed. We're the baby faces are screwed now. There's nothing we can do to recover, and that's kind of how I was looking at it back then. Well, if you think young Mike Mills was upset, you probably couldn't hold a candle to Cowboy Bill Watts and how upset he was about what happened. And we're gonna hear that on commentary during our next match. Tony Atlas, Mr. USA, making his debut versus grappler number two with Rick Ferreira as the referee. This match may be happening, but the crowd isn't reacting. And Bill Watts has a lot to say, and you can hear it in his voice, what he thinks about what happened in that previous tag team match. Let's go to this right now. Oh, Boyd Pierce, I lost my voice on that last match, and I lost my heart. I just can't believe it. I think I have seen it all. I I really think I've seen it all. You know, it seemed like wrestling was much simpler when I was in the ring. There was just as much tough, rough stuff going on, but it seemed like it was more direct. It wasn't so much of the behind your back. It, yes, I can think of the things that Mosca pulled on me in the spoiler, and 
Waldo Von Erich and Bob Sweet Tan and so many of them and the Assassin. And here we should be so excited because right now we're seeing one of the premier young athletes in the world today, Tony Atlas, a man that bench presses 600 pounds, Mr. USA, phenomenal athlete. But I think the whole building is subdued because the Junkyard Dog has lost the Mid-South Tag Titles and he's out of Mid-South for 90 days. I don't know what Mid-South Wrestling will be without the dog. He'd become an institution here. That's like Dusty Rhodes was to Florida. Look at the agility of this man, Tony Atlas. Flying head scissors, drop kicks, 250-pound man. Next week, we're going to have a special segment for the children showing Tony Atlas working out just prior to the Mr. USA contest two years ago when Tony was just benching 500 pounds in, and he'll show that 500-pound bench press. Now he's doing five reps with 500 and doing a max weight of 600 pounds. Works out a lot at Gold's Gym in San Francisco. Tony Atlas. The first of the standby matches. And Boyd, I, as much as I think of Tony Atlas and want to stay with you, I'm going to have to leave after this match. and We'll ask Paul Bosch to step in. I just got to gather my thoughts and collect myself. You know, what I just saw against a dog, it's the, the scheming and the, and, the, and the planning to get rid of this man. You know, I, they've had so much pressure on this guy for so long. I, I've got to get up there and see how he's doing and talk with him and, and, and tell him how much I feel about it. And, He's got to, not only the pain that's happening, it's, it's the, the, the pain of the defeat, but it's also the, the extent they've gone to to get him. Ted DiBiase, staying as he went out, the king is dead and he's the new king. There's Tony Atlas. There's somebody that Ted DiBiase is going to reckon with. There's somebody that can pick Kamala up and power slam him. I'll guarantee you the strongest man probably in wrestling. He and the junkyard dog, close friend. Look at that. He just flat pressed the grappler two up in the air like he was a, a sack of feed. And just look at the power. Tony Atlas, the one bright spot here today. Well, there it is, Mike. The one bright spot here today, Tony Atlas, pins grappler two. You know, the fans are depressed and sad and they're not into it. And that's kind of sad in a way because this was a quick but a good match. Dirty White, well, I keep on, I always want to call him Dirty White, but grappler number two, he really made Tony Atlas look good right here. He sold great for him, and I mean, Tony Anthony, he's just a, he's just a really, really solid talent. It's hard to, you know, stress how, how great he is, but he made Atlas look really good. But going back to what Watts said, Watts said, I don't know what Mid-South will do without the dog, and that is a strong statement because of what is coming but we didn't know that at the moment but we know it now so it really was not a nice little seed for watts to plant but give watts credit too um he really hadn't lost his voice but you can hear it and he flat out sounds depressed he sounds the same way that most of the mid-south wrestling fans watching the show felt and i think that was yes. important again you're getting everything over to the point where this match is an afterthought once again, Tony Atlas wins. He splashes Grappler 2. And coming out of that, we get Jesse Barr versus gorgeous Gino Hernandez making his debut here on Mid-South Wrestling. Alfred Neely, the referee, and as Bill Watts said before, he was too upset. He was going to leave. Paul Bosch takes over on commentary with Boyd Pierce. Let's hear a little bit of this audio because Paul Bosch talks about his relationship with Gino and also about why Bill Watts left. 
Partner red, white, and blue from the Pacific Northwest, Portland, Oregon, against gorgeous Gino Hernandez, the outstanding professional wrestler from Houston, Texas. Alfred Neely calls the bell, call, talking about Houston, Texas. Bill Watts has lost his voice, so we have Paul Bosch, who we introduced earlier as the untying promoter, the civic leader, humanitarian, a man who loves wrestling and loves people, stepping right in to take Bill's place as our guest commentator, Paul Welcome. Well, thank you very much, Boyd. And up in the ring, it's a strange twist of fate because I happen to be responsible for Gorgeous Gino's entrance into wrestling, uh, something I may have uh, repented on a long time ago. He's a tough customer, a seven-year veteran of the mat right now, and here making his appearance in Mid-South Wrestling, and I suddenly find myself behind the microphone. Bill Watts was too badly affected by what happened in the tag team event, by the change of uh, titles in, in the tag team match, and certainly by the fact that Junkyard Dog lost the right to stay here in the Mid-South area. And now Gorgeous Gino trying to make an impression on Mid-South fans as he has on Texas fans where he has become a legend of sorts, not always the best-loved man in the area, but certainly the most talked about. And as he puts his feet up on the rope with that full Nelson, Jesse Barr took exceptionally fine advantage of it. And there, Barr is great opposition. And most certainly, Gino has not picked an easy one to get started in any particular area. Gino... His father was a wrestler before him. He is a second generation and a man who has a great deal of personal pride. I guess that's what you call it. Some people say that he's conceited. Some people say he's got a swelled head and he has muscles to match. Well, here he is, Gino Hernandez in the Mid-South Wrestling Ring. Gino's in fantastic shape here. And it's a good match with Jesse Barr. A lot of action, really good, energetic match. They go back and forth. Do you have any other notes about this match, Mike? No, not really. I mean, the only thing is, um, you know, the move off the the second rope, the elbow drop. I remember when he was in world class, he'd hit it off the top. But obviously, going back to what you had said earlier about the rules, uh, he he can't hit it off the top here. So he's he's doing it off the second rope. But no, just some good background because, I mean, most people, this is the first time they saw Gino. So it was good to hear from Bosch and him kind of, you know, talk about bringing Gino into the wrestling business. Gino wins with the elbow, like you said. And coming out of that, we get Paul Bosch interviewing Ted DiBiase, Hacksaw Duggan, and Matt Bourne, the trio that have conspired to rid Mid-South of the Junkyard Dog, and it appears they have succeeded. Let's hear this audio right now. Well, Bill Watts didn't think he could contain himself for this interview, so he asked me to do it. And I want to tell you, I don't feel too good about it either. And I'll tell you, Ted, I want to tell you that I thought that that was the most premeditated and devious thing I've seen in the ring in more than 50 years. Well, I want to tell you, Mr. Boss, you are absolutely right. And wait a minute here. Your monkey lost his head, or maybe, maybe you're the one who lost it. I think the other monkey lost his head. He's gone for 90 days. <laughs> I told you, Mid-South, they said they wanted the no-DQ match. I took one belt off of him that way. The spear, the spear, the wedge buster right here. The man sacrificed himself as my partner to bust up 
the Junkyard Dog. I've got a Mid-South Tag Team title here, a Mid-South Tag Team title here, the North American title here, the Louisiana title here. We got them all, brother, and the Junkyard Dog is bye-bye for 90 days. Tell them about it, Hacksaw. Hey, dog, you see what it means? Sacrifice, you have to sacrifice your body. I sacrificed my body, and you're gone for 90 days. Look at all this metal laying around here, and it's around the right waist for a change. Mid-South can't get you out this time, dog. Hey, it took a little ingenuity, a little brain power, and you're gone. We're gonna have to get we had an ace in the hole that time, anyway. That was just an ace easy. in the hole, is that what you <laughs> call you it? Him? And you, I suppose this you call an advantage in sport? Certainly, certainly. It's the name of the game is money. And when you've got all the belts, you got all the money. It's very simple, very, very simple. And you ever hear of sportsmanship? And we've got a money is the name of the game. I put bread on my table at whatever expense, and these men feel the same way. And it just so happened, junkyard dog, it was at your expense. They call you the king. You're looking at the new king here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I think I have had enough of this, and I'd like to go and get some fresh air. Paul is telling us what happened. You saw what happened. I saw what happened, and I don't like it one little bit. So let's go to the ring for the next match. Mr. Wrestling 2 is here. Reach your bowden with the introduction. Boy, the commentators are all pissed. <laughs> What's going on? Man. There's a great moment. Bosch is really good at showing how upset he is. But there's a moment where he says at the beginning, I'm here because Cowboy Bill Watts doesn't think he can contain himself. And then Duggan and DiBiase laugh even louder than they've laughed before, thinking about the <laughs> idea that Bill Watts couldn't contain himself to come out there and hold the microphone next to them. This was so good and ridiculous all in one. Um, let me point something out that you know you can't see if you're if you're if you're just listening to us and you're not watching along. So the <laughs> This is not politically correct at all. But DiBiase says at the beginning, the other monkey lost his head as he's talking about dog, which holy crap. I didn't, and even, then pick up on that. Went, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. He said it. He went there. And then when Duggan starts talking the first time, Matt Bourne starts going ooh, 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 like a like a gorilla. And I'm just going, oh, my God, I never realized, like, how ridiculous this was as a kid. But they were that going there in the oh, in the south. I mean, that just made dog even a bigger baby face. I, I, I just was like, oh, goodness, they just did not do that. And they're going to do it even worse next week because um, they have a promo coming up that's worse than this one. But to your point. Bosch and Boyd Pierce are not happy. They, they're like, this is ridiculous. And this, there was so much greatness in here. The not the 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 audio and then the visuals too of them was great. They, Brian, they're having a party, man. They're the champs. The only belt they don't have now is the Mississippi title. They are out there gloating, and it's all about them and teeth and gums, and they're just having a party and. Think about it. They just got rid of the junkyard dog for 90 days. In their eyes, they just won the Super Bowl. The season's over. We're champs, pal. We're going home. We're going to go celebrate. We're going to go do, do some drinking and partying. Call us when you get some competition because what's left is nothing and we're not scared. That's the atmosphere and the party atmosphere they got going on in the field and they got going on right there. 
Yeah, in their eyes, there's nothing on the horizon that will stop them. And certainly if you're a fan watching Mid-South Wrestling in 1982 watching this, you have to be losing your mind. You just want to see these guys get their comeuppance. You want to see someone stop them. But as you said earlier, there's Olympia, there's Wrestling 2, there's Robley. Who really will be the person to stop this newfound faction here in Mid-South Wrestling? But coming out of there, and I got to say, the rest of the show, it's kind of rough to watch for no other reason than the fans are so deflated based on what they saw. that They're almost like comatose. Just real quick, because I, I wanted to say that earlier I said when he lost, it was like, God, I don't know if I can, you know, what else am I going to watch here? But obviously, you know, I kept watching. And then you see this promo and you're like, oh, no. And you got to sit there and think about it. I mean, real time wise, if you're not talking commercials, there's, <laughs> there were still 15 minutes left in the episode. And you're like, this is going to be rough. And, and I remember like watching the next two matches, which you're about to throw us to and just thinking to myself. I, I, my heart, I'm hurt. I'm not into this. How am I going to get through the end of it? I, I, it probably was the first time in my like wrestling fandom that I ever really thought that and was like, I don't know if I want to watch the rest of a wrestling show. So I just wanted to say that as you as you talk about that, because and, and you can see it. The fans are they're they're dead. They, they, the excitement is gone. They just lost the dog. They watched the, the they watched this promo where literally freaking DiBiase says, we, you know, we use the monkey to get rid of the monkey. I, I mean, goodness gracious, what are we going to do here? No, I don't want to see any more wrestling. I, you know, it's a testament, though, Brian. I'm actually kind of shocked. Although this was there, there was another taping after this one, so I shouldn't say that. But you, you wonder, like, people go, God, I don't know if I can watch anymore. I'm so depressed that the dog lost. But anyway, I just had to add that to the end of it. There's not going to be too much more to say about the rest of the show. Mr. Wrestling 2 versus Marty Lundy with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Wrestling 2 wins with the million-dollar knee lift. Do you have any other notes about this match, Mike? Not really. Marty Lundy looks good, and that's all I had. He really did. He looked good in there against Wrestling 2, but that's all I had from it. And then to close out the show, we get Tim Horner and Vinny Romeo versus Hiro Matsuda and Yoshiaki Yatsu, or as Reese Bowden calls him, Yushi Yatsu. And uh, the match ends when Yatsu pins Vinny Romeo with a belly-to-belly suplex or, as Paul Bosch calls it, a Japanese body slam. It's the first time I've heard it called that before, but not much to say about this match. Yatsu was on a tour of the States. He would be here for a while. He spent a little bit of time in Mid-South, and then he would go spend a good deal of time in Florida, which is obviously where the Hiro Matsuda connection comes in. Do you have any other notes about this match, Mike? No, just nothing against these guys, but you can hear a pin drop during this match because the fans are still in shock at what they saw earlier in the episode. It's just they're they're like, damn it. And they're look. I mean, you're looking at two guys from Japan who are talented, but eh, <laughs> eh, that's all I have. Well, that's all we have as the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review closes for this week. What will happen next week? We'll have to wait and see. Or perhaps you saw it a long time ago and you'll have to wait and hear what we say about it next week. But as we close things out, I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts. And you can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite wrestling podcast. And don't forget, the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network is on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? 
Follow me on Twitter, Mike504Saints. A lot of times I'll post like short clips of very, very important moments from these shows that we're doing. For instance, like what we just talked about today with the dog losing, just great moments. I'll try to post them where I can. Uh, you can also listen to Book in the Territory twice per week. We drop shows on Thursday and Sunday nights. Uh, episodic format, like we do the NWA Saturday night, and we do Smoky Mountain Wrestling on Sunday. So Saturday night is on Thursday night. Sundays are our Smoky Mountain Wrestling recaps, and you can fi- you can uh, find the show. Just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from, and um, tinyurl.com slash bttpod is also uh, how you find it if you're not on your favorite podcast platform. Brian, this was fun. Really great episode. Just a lot going on. The dog loses, but I got to say, man, it's a shame. Our listeners will have to wait a week, but next week, is going to be fun. And that's all I'll say when we get out as we get out of here. We're not going to say any more this week. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!